every time I do one of these movies, we always need somebody that I can just maim. So I think, Vic, if you're ever looking for an additional gig, I think you would be perfect. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and it is still the most wonderful time of the year. It is Christmas Eve. If you are listening to this and about to celebrate, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, no matter what you celebrate. I hope everyone is in an amazing mood like I am today, because nothing brings a smile to Corey Graves' face quite like the thought of Santa Claus and celebrating but I can't do it alone. As I do every week, I got a little bit of help. He is the Randy to my Ralphie, the Mm. voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? I was hoping you were going to say Christmas season makes you smile and being with me makes you smile because I smile whenever I'm around you, Corey Graves. Well, I tend to have that effect on most people. I just don't you know, seem to get to reciprocate very often. So let's enjoy it while we have it. And Vic, you you didn't come alone. This I very special holiday edition of After the Bell, Victor Claus brought a special guest with him. I like that. My NXT broadcast partner, former King of the Ring <laughs> and five-time Intercontinental Champion, Yeah, Wade Barrett. That's more like it. What's we, we can drop the King of the Ring thing. I don't tend to brag about that too much, but the, the five-time Intercontinental Champion, that's that's pretty big. What a pleasure to be on. Five-time Intercontinental Champion five. and Corey Graves' personal favorite NXT commentator. Oh, what? there we go. I agree. I'm that's... my own personal favorite commentator on NXT, too. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if you ever look to get rid of Vic Joseph as your partner on here... I'm just saying. Will you I think stop I'm, this hey, stuff? Because hey. he tries every week to get rid of me. We have a bad habit of putting stuff out into the WWE universe and it actually coming <laughs> true. So you know be careful what we wish for. Wait, this is awesome, man. I haven't I haven't got to sit down and just chop it up with you in way too long. I mean, schedules are what they are, and you do an NXT and me doing Monday Night Raw. We never get a chance to actually be in the same place. So it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be back. You know what? I came back to WWE about 18 months ago, something like that, after about five years away. I know I used to see you on the road quite a bit then and and chat to you on your, I think, a previous incarnation of a podcast you were doing. But uh, yeah, great to be back. Great chatting with you again. Great to chat to a normal human being unlike the the person next to me. You know exactly. Anyways, (laughs) it's ironic because the day you started right before that was NXT TakeOver 30, which you, Corey, filled in in that role with myself on that night. And then Wade Barrett pops up the next I'm week. I'm sorry I came by, Corey. You could have been pulling double duty every week. Nah, you know, there's, I know where this is going to go. Here we go. There, there have been a period of my life where I did, I believe, every show WWE produced. And I think it took about <laughs> six years off of my life in that few month period. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. I want to talk to you, Wade, about your your return to WWE, to the WWE brand and as a part of NXT in this new commentary role. Uh, how did that come to be for you? I mean, I, I know my story, I, I sort of had limited options and I was kind of pushed toward the commentary role, which I embraced and found myself where I am today. Uh, you, to your point earlier, you were gone for so, a period of time and now you reemerge in, in this new role. How did it come to be? Yeah, so I left WWE in 2016. I've been with the company close to 10 years through developmental and all that stuff. And I was really kind of burned out by 2016 and, and looking not only to step away from WWE, but from the industry in general. So I kind of took a couple of years, went away, did some other things like acting, some TV hosting, and slowly but surely, as tends to be the case, the the love for sports entertainment wrestling came back and I started doing some independent things here and there. And the one thing that I always knew I wanted to do when I got a little older, um, I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't want to be a trainer or set up my own training school, which a lot of guys do. I really wanted to be a commentator. And when I was back in developmental in Florida Championship Wrestling in 2009, I was actually a commentator there under Dusty Rhodes. He decided to give me a shot at that. And he really liked what I was doing. I was working with Byron Saxton, who was the play-by-play -play guy. So I always knew, okay, that's in my back pocket one day. I love doing that. I'd love to get back to it one day. Um, and thankfully, I got a call from Tom Phillips and Michael Cole back in uh, summer of 2020 saying, look, we've got a position opening up. We think you'd be great for it. We've seen you, what you've done before. We think you're a good fit for the show. Are you interested? And uh, two or three weeks after chatting with them, they were like, yeah, you know, probably come back in about six months or something like that. It's going to be a little while. And then I got an emergency phone call from Michael Cole, hey, we need you in tomorrow. Can you get on a plane? We need you to start right now. Uh, okay, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, yeah, as is the case in WWE, things change very rapidly. As Here, we all here comes Wade to save the day. Uh, that's interesting that, that you found a love or a passion for the commentary side of things all the way back to FCW. I remember when I first got there, I, I had just missed you. You had pretty much just gone up as as the, a member of the Nexus at the very beginning, I, I think, rough time frame when I got signed sure. and I remember Byron was always there, but they would rotate through. There were uh, several different guys that would do commentary, but everybody sort of had the goal of you want to be a superstar. You want to be in the ring. That's really interesting. What about it attracted you? Um, so I didn't want to do it originally. So the original commentating team in FCW was Byron Saxon on play by play and Dusty on the color. And right. now Dusty had his hands full because not only was he having to do the commentary, he was writing the show, he was working on everyone's promos, he was writing reports to the office about who was doing well, who, who was ready to get called up, that sort of thing. So he put me into that position when I really didn't want to do it and I wasn't confident about it, but I gave it a go, came to the back afterwards and everyone was giving me plenty of compliments, they really liked it, Dusty was thrilled, and he was like, right, guess what, you're now doing that every week, you're now the color commentator. <laughs> So I was surprised by that, but it was actually pretty good for me because 
At that point in my career, I'd been in developmental about 18 months or so. I really wasn't one of the guys getting any traction. And something that kind of held me back at the time, I think, is that I was hired at the same time as Drew McIntyre and Seamus. And immediately from day one, Three Europeans is way too many. Oh, my sweater? <laughs> Three big, tall European <laughs> heels, basically. So I'm like, okay, they really like Seamus from day one, and they put, like, the, the FCW championship on him. They really like Drew as well, and he kind of got called up quite early when he came in and sent back down, but they're like, he just needs a bit more seasoning. And then there was me, and how many big European bad guys can you have on the show at the same time? So I was kind of, you know getting lost in the cracks really for a while. And then suddenly I got this opportunity doing commentary. Um, and for the first time I felt like, okay, people are really starting to pay attention to me now. I had writers coming down from Raw and SmackDown for the first time who knew who I was. And they were like, look, you're great in commentary. We really like it. We feel like we could put you on Raw or SmackDown tomorrow doing commentary, but we, we really want you in the ring. So I was like, okay, that's great. I still want a career in ring i would have been thrilled if they'd said to me yeah you can go up now and do commentary on raw smackdown but i still had that itch to scratch of going in the ring and, and trying to chase that goal too so they put me back in the ring then and within two months they called me up to the the first incarnation of the nxt show and i was away and running after that it's interesting too because when you talk i did not know that it was one of those between talking to cole and tom where you had this plan to come in and then it was hey we need you tomorrow because graze if you remember when Wade started, Beth was remote. So we right. actually, he had to learn how to do WWE style commentary on a delay. Oh, he didn't, I didn't have it how we have it that. now. And that's something that I've always given him credit for because we, you and I were like, uh, wait a minute, hold on a second here. To, to this day, that was one of the most difficult experiences of my commentary career. I agree. Was when we called TakeOver 30, just with that half a second delay because it's happening in front of you and you can feel the, the reverberations of the guys taking bumps, yeah. but you can't react until <clears throat> 0.3 seconds later just because Beth hasn't seen it yet. It was a really, really tricky scenario for me. That night to me really stressed me out. And this is after years now of me doing Raw, of doing SmackDown, of things changing on the fly. Like you can throw anything at me live and it doesn't shake me. But that night at TakeOver, I was like, oh my God, this is unlike anything I've ever done before. And, and Wade, that's how you kind of had to pick up WWE commentary? Yeah, it was pretty wild because I'll be honest with you, I wasn't fully up to speed with all of the NXT shows. I knew who the main players in the show were, but there were some newer guys that I wasn't too familiar with. I hadn't been, you know, in, intensely watching it every week. I kept abreast of what was going on Raw and SmackDown, NXT and... And it's kind of hard when you're in the the wrestling environment, even through social media, mm -hmm. to to not know what's going on. Sure. But in terms of an in-depth knowledge about this character and what did this person do three years ago that's relevant to this match. So there was a lot of things that I found hard immersing myself at short notice into the show like that. But I always think one of the nicest things about being a color commentator is that if things go wrong, all you have to do is be quiet, and then it's completely on the play-by-play -play guy to fix. <laughs> so anytime I was unsure, and I do that to this day, I don't know where this is going. You know what? I'm just going to bite my tongue here. Yeah, now I, I know. Now I, I know. Let's figure it out. So being, it out. Being, a, being a color guy is great. I don't think I could ever do play-by-play. You've got to be so smart. I will give Vic Joseph rare props and say he's the smoothest guy on doing that stuff. I couldn't do it, and that's pretty much the entire compliment, well, my entire quota of compliments here's where the, the next 12 Here's months. where the problem lies, because I have to be truthful, and this is the honest to God's truth, is everything that I'm doing now, and I, how many times have I said this, Graves? I wish I was doing what I did now two years ago when Corey and I were doing main event, because Corey's the one who 
was teaching me oh, doing okay. a main event four years ago. And we actually took another page out of the Corey Graves playbook. When you first start, I say, hey, there's only one place we can go to really get some camaraderie, the bar. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree with it. that. Every partner I've had that I've had any sort of success with, it all begins having a little, having a few cocktails after the show and rebooking the business, <laughs> talking about how we need to do things and how things should be. And you really kind of get to learn certain, certain things about one another. And that's, I, I truly believe that that chemistry begins with a cocktail. Yeah, well, I think we started off with uh, vodka martinis, I think is how. Oh, and I made a really bad one, but you drank it anyways. <laughs> there are no bad vodka martinis. It was Enough pretty vodka bad. And I like it. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty bad. vodka, I wouldn't have complained. So. And then, I, you know, you found the best fish and chips here in Orlando. Oh, uh, yeah, some good fish. Hats off to him. It's it's hard to find That's good fish and chips. That's two props. It's hard to find. Absolute, Actually, yes. it wasn't you. I think it was Mackenzie who told me. So you're claiming credit for Mackenzie. I'll Mitchell's take it. Words. I mean, that's, that's typical Vic standard operating procedure. Just take the credit <laughs> when it's available. Just just yeah. whatever it takes. Uh, wait, I want to get your thoughts. You talked about being part of the very first incarnation of NXT, which is drastically different from what we now know as NXT 2.0, even the NXT that really kind of blew up. Um, what are what are your thoughts in sort of the evolution of the brand from you being an OG, so to speak, of the NXT brand to what it has grown and evolved into today as NXT 2.0? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, the eight of us who were on that first NXT season one, the entire concept of it, I think universally we hated it. The concept of, first of all, we're, we're termed as rookies, which the vast majority of us on that show had been you know, working in the wrestling biz for at least kind of six years or something at that point. I know you did the indies sure. before you ever came anywhere near FCW. And I know you were, you were a pretty big deal on the indie scene in the UK at the time. And I was kind of working on that scene. I was on the outskirts of it in a, a different area, but we'd all been traveling around for 30 pounds a night and yeah. being lucky if you could actually pay your, your gasoline at the end of the day and, and you came away with a small profit. And, you know, we'd done that for years. So we we were kind of upset that we were being billed as kind of rookies, guys who weren't deemed to be allowed even in the, the locker room. We were changing in hallways. So we were. it, it wasn't just this storyline of us being rookies and, and nobody's in the business. We were actually treated like that behind the scenes for a long time. And a totally different concept. For anybody that's listening to this who may not be familiar with the original NXT, it was almost a game show format. It really had very little to do with sports entertainment or the, or the wrestling side of things at all. It was a lot of really bizarre stunts and competitions and things. And, and I mean, we got some, some pretty heavy hitting stars out of it ultimately, uh, but very, very drastically different from what we know and watch now on Tuesday nights at NXT. Who has caught your attention, Wade, since you've been back? Who's really sort of taken on the fan side of you as a, as a competitor at NXT? Oh, well, I think you just need to go back a couple of weeks to NXT War Games. And I think um, I'd probably say my favorite match of the year in NXT was the men's War Games match. I think at this point in my career, I look at things a little differently than I did when I was younger. And I look more at the, the kind of future of the business and the business work that's being done. And um, what I really liked about the men's War Games match is the victors in that match with the the new 2.0 stars, Bron Breaker, Grayson Waller, Carmelo Hayes, and Tony D'Angelo. Not only do you have guys that are going to be the, the immediate future of NXT in, in those four guys who were on the 2.0 War Games team, but they're also going to be eventually moving on to SmackDown and Raw. Uh, and I like what was achieved in that match in that we've established these four new guys who, let's face it, three months ago, nobody had heard of any of them. And now they're all 
bona fide main event level superstars here in NXT and beyond after that. So I've really enjoyed that. I especially like Bron Breaker. Um, I think everybody's talking about him right now. He has a great lineage that he's come from, and he's just an absolute natural. He's maybe only had 10 matches in his yeah. entire career, and he's already competing at a main event level with guys like Tommaso Ciampa, admittedly, who's going to kind of help him and, and walk him through a lot of things. But, um, I mean, to be able to step up that quickly is quite incredible. As I know from my own experience of, of trying to do that in the past, it's such a difficult thing to pull off, and, and he's nailed every single opportunity he's got. So Bron Breaker is the one big standout for me. You talk about Brian, you talk about the rest of Team 2.0 too, but we've sat, you know, in the back, taking a curtain down and have gotten ready for these shows. And you even told me, holy crap, this is Braun Breaker's fifth match and it's in war games. I mean, how much credit do you give not only the superstars themselves, but also the coaching staff in, in NXT? Yeah, it's quite remarkable. And that really is a big difference that I've noticed even from my time when I was coming up to Raw, SmackDown as a new superstar. I was put into a lot of positions where it was sink or swim. Um, and on occasions I, I swam, on occasions I sank. But I think the the level of coaching since my days has just stepped up to a different level. I think we had three coaches when I was in FCW. Now here they must have... 10 to 15 of them and the regular rotating guys in and out and guys. And, and so many of them are, are bona fide main eventers. Like it, it's invaluable. Could you have imagined Wade, when you first walked into FCW having Shawn Michaels at your disposal? Like, I think, I think it gets glossed over sometimes. I, and I'll admit being guilty of this. The fact that we had access to dusty roads was invaluable. I mean, I know what dusty taught me as a competitor, but even more so after my career had ended, after I got shut down, Dusty was the one who sort of opened his office to me and said, hey, kid, come with me. Let's, what do you need to learn? What do you want to learn? And I literally got to shadow Dusty for about the last year he was here. And I, the, the the lessons that I learned and the, the knowledge about the business that he imparted was incredible. And now we unfortunately don't have Dusty Rhodes, but you've got Shawn Michaels. I mean, you've got a, a who's who of coaches grooming the future now, which is exciting for the business as a whole. Yeah, it's guys who have done it all before. And you're right about Dusty. And I, I was the same as you. I came to this country and I'd never cut a promo in my entire career. Um, and promoing wasn't something that I felt comfortable with. It wasn't something that I ever thought was going to be a big part of my career. And no, that's not really a thing for me. The British guys in general, historically, I don't think have been the best at promos. If you go back to the indie scene, it's just not something that British people tended to find naturally, having these big boisterous personalities that a lot of the Americans and, and the brashness of the Americans that seem, they seem to have an easier way with it. But working with Dusty, he brought that out of me completely. And, and in all honesty, the promo side of things, even to this day, obviously, was the biggest aspect of my career that got me pushed forward, winning NXT season one, being the leader of the Nexus, being Bad News Barrett. If you look at all the high points in my career, they are all correlated to my work on the mic, which directly goes back to the, the work I did with Dusty Rhodes back in, in FCW. So I owe him a huge debt of thanks. And you're right, having guys like Shawn Michaels and Triple H here, being able to lean on them in this day and age, that's so invaluable for these, these youngsters who are coming up now. 
No doubt. Somebody's got to talk him into the seats, right? I mean, Dusty taught us nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, modern man. So much fun just working with him every Wednesday in promo class. And that was a big part of the way that I went from being new guy, bottom of the class to, okay, this guy's in the upper echelon now. This is the guy we need to put some work into. It was that promo class with Dusty Rhodes and how I was able to stand out every week. And It's it's really funny hearing you tell the story about how growing up uh, in England and as, as a Brit, you aren't exposed to that boisterous, over-the-top personality. You're actually the second person that's told me that. The other one was, was Neville when he and I were tag team partners. And he had said to me, because yeah, you, know, you know him, he's a, he's a very kind of quiet sort of guy unless you really get to know him. And I remember talking to him one day and he was just like, yeah, man, it's just not how we're raised. We're just not raised to to show out all the time. It's a, you, sort of you, an Americanized in, in England, thing. In England, if you stand up and, and make a scene, you're going to get punched. That's how it, that's how it was about that. If, if you're the loudmouth in the pub, you're getting punched. Someone's, you, you, you're going to get in a fight. Whereas I think it's really embraced in the US. Okay, that guy's the, the loudmouth. He's the entertainer. Oh, great. In the UK, especially in the 80s and 90s, it was a bad thing to be seen, to be standing out, to be the guy with the nice sneakers or the flashy top or the big mouth or whatever it was. You were always going to get in a fight. That's just how it was. So I think Vic, we were you would have never survived. Huh? You would have never survived in the UK. Yeah, I would have because I would have had friends like <laughs> Absolutely Wade Merritt who I would have hit behind <laughs> as I was yelling, you know? I'd have had the Drew McIntyres of the world. You, you would have needed to pump some iron. That's what you I'm not done. pumping any iron. He's been trying to get me to go to the weight room because I was on the weight room thing once a week for about three months. Now, what are you laughing he, at? He was boasting about his impressive deadlift, his you, one rep max deadlift, 65 pounds. 65 pounds, man. Listen, if nothing Woo. else, Vic has the same physique as the bar itself. I mean, it works. You got to look like something. <laughs> oh, right? you two are just a classical <laughs> comedy pair here this uh, this week. Hey, this is your look, fault. This, you look, he's actually smiling. This is a very rare occasion that Graves, if you're watching this somewhere, is smiling from the beginning till now. I, listen, A, I'm a little bit delirious from from flying all over God's creation. Fair. B, it's Christmas. And C, I'm getting to talk to Wade and catch up. I haven't got to chat with Wade in a long time. <laughs> we talked about this the, before. The only He's negative seen... is that Vic is here. I hope you trip and smack your face today. Just no need that's for that. What, no what a just, miserable man. You, are, you make me get, miserable. Get in the festive spirit. I'm in the festive spirit. I'm wearing a Christmas sweater this week. Everything's this is why out. this week's intro for you was probably the most apropos because I referred to you as the Randy to my Ralphie. Yeah, I and caught if, it. If, if you follow me on social media, uh, which I don't ever recommend anybody doing, I put these <laughs> random thoughts out from time to time, which might be that misconstrued. That may be the most honest thing you've ever said on you're, this you're podcast. A, you're actually. a hell of an agitator on social media. <laughs> I have noticed that. <laughs> you put something I, up I the other I'm, day and I was about to come. I was like, oh, this is a, a real hornet's nest getting stirred up. I'm staying out of this oh, one. Oh, <laughs> that's me. I'm, I'm the queen bee these days of, of, the, of the nest. It's uh, It can get messy at times. This one, I actually got a lot of uh, uh, people who agreed with me, I, I was referencing a Christmas story, the classic American holiday film, Ralphie Wants a Red Rider BB Gun. His little brother, Randy, sucks. Like, he makes me physically angry. I was watching this with my children the other day, and I think to myself, Ralphie's like the, the American ultimate baby face, just the kid who wants something that he can't have, and he kind of isn't cool, and he has a tough time, and he gets picked on, and he stands up for himself, and it's great. But then he's got this crappy little brother who just ruins everything and is annoying. And the scene where the little brother eats the meatloaf and the mashed potatoes off Oink the plate like a, like a pig, yeah. I want to 
I want to punch the television. I've seen it 200 <laughs> times, and each time I get more and more angry than the last. I, is, what is this? I genuinely never heard of this film. What is it? You don't know a Christmas story. You've never seen a Christmas story? A Christmas story? You'll shoot your eye out. The, the, the little kid with the red glasses. I guarantee uh, you if you saw the... I, the, 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 I don't know the, if that came out in the UK. He stuck his tongue on an ice pole on the flagpole, couldn't get his tongue off. It's not Dumb and Dumber. Well, yeah, but this is <laughs> just, <I'll be laughs> it off. This, right. was, <laughs> this was pre Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and yeah, Dumber right, took it right. to the, the, the next level. Film? Yeah, I think we had different films. It's in the from UK. Cleveland, I don't really the Higby Building. It's a Cleveland movie. Cre Christmas is very regional. I think the way we do Christmas is probably slightly different than the US. I don't know. Our Christmas is more like your Thanksgiving in terms of the meal and stuff. That's our. But there's no your, presents? We still have presents, yeah, but. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll have presents, there. Vic. I don't know. This one's not a very good gift giver over here. Hang on a minute. What? Didn't I get why, you why would? Why would he? Yeah, have... but uh, well, there's I, a long, I, I, there's I, a long I, story that said he was guilted into. I'm not into. letting you get away with you that. You got guilted into it. You've literally never bought me a gift. Yeah, I, I have taken you to dinner. You didn't pay for that. That's true. That you was, you that drove me down. Okay. I picked you up Starbucks every I morning for six months. Two gift baskets involving wine and what else? With the, the I'm not talking chocolate about cherries. This. Oh, they were so He's good. Never me they yeah, were I'm so the bad, good. I'm yeah, you are. I had to guilt you into no. that stuff. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 given, I, I, I got engaged. He came in after everyone was saying things. He goes, oh, yeah, I forgot. I go, look at this guy. No, over I didn't here. say that. I said, I got you something nice, but TSA took yeah, it. Yeah, TL, what a lie that is. TSA took it from Might me. not have been true, admittedly. But. <laughs> That's a bulletproof excuse. Yeah, it's a great excuse, right? And then he even was. put it in the card that he sent us <laughs> where it said, sorry, TSA delayed this. I had to go an alternate route or something. Like he stayed with the lie in it. You actually did get, you actually are, that, that gift, gift basket giver. place is a, is a great. You, you, you got to respect the commitment. <laughs> yeah, he stuck with it. You went all in. I appreciate it. What, I got to ask you, Wade, what, what are some of your uh, favorite Christmas pastimes? Are you a Christmas movie guy, music, anything like that? Um, yeah, you know what? I do have a, a playlist um, on my Spotify. Again, it's mostly kind of British stuff, I think. I'm imagining the Pogues are on there. The Pogues are, that's number one. Oh I, I, I figured it would be. I know you're, uh, Isn't that the game you played in the 90s? What? Pogues? Pogs. Pogs. No, Pogs. No, it's, yeah, not, it's not Pogs. quite that one. That Again, it's a, that's okay. another one. It's a little controversial today. There's some lyrics in that one that were absolutely fine in 1985 or whatever when it came sure. out. These days, they're seen as a lot more controversial. There's a lot of retrospective looking at, should we be listening to this? But I still love the song. It's fantastic. It's, it's really weird to me because to that same point, I remember a couple of years ago, there was a, a bit of controversy against It's a Wonderful Life, which in the United States is one of, if not the most classic quintessential Christmas film. Again, one I haven't seen. I, was, oh, well, I, well, I, I actually will admit that I had not until basically last week. And I was home by myself at a quiet house. And I went, I have never in my life watched It's a Wonderful Life from start to finish. So I threw on my satin pajamas, poured myself a nice scotch, <laughs> aged approximately 50 years in five minutes. And I sat on my couch like the happiest Christmas old man of all time and watched It's a Wonderful Life. And guess what? As advertised, great freaking movie. I get it why it was made in 1946 and it still holds up. What happened to the set in pajamas, by the way? Are you going to bring those back out for Christmas morning? I got a vision of Hugh Hefner right now. It is. It's, it's really impressive, by the uh, way. Yeah, I, I, did a, I did a thing where for, uh, I don't know what, about a month, I would wear satin pajamas because I would wake up on recording day in my home and it was very easy to just stay in my pajamas. Uh, and I made the declaration I was going to try to make it a thing such that I could eventually wear them on Monday Night Raw. Uh, but that, that it sort of stalled out. I, I sort of lost, uh, lost interest in that because... <laughs> You know, that's just how things We're work. We're wearing sexy Christmas sweaters tonight. 
well, I'm sure I'm sure you're gonna look incredibly handsome. I'm looking at at Vic's Drew McIntyre ugly Christmas sweater, and as big of a fan as I am of Drew McIntyre, I mean, Vic, this is this is not. There, there is, is not nothing. I want to point out. I know people at home might not be able to see this, but there is nothing Christmassy about the Drew McIntyre Christmas it's sweater. It's sweater. basically a Scotland flag with a lion rampant on there and McIntyre, which you can go purchase at www.shop.com. Which, which Vic tried to get me to wear as an Englishman. They would never let me he back. Shot that down so fast. Yeah. If I Come was on, wearing a, a Scottish shirt. Who did you pick on Tuesday? That would be Vic. Vic, uh, that you you basically tried. It was the equivalent of you tried to convince Wade to wear that. Would be like me trying to get you to wear a Pittsburgh Steelers jersey. Yeah. Never Blasphemy. It, it just exactly. wouldn't happen. Exactly. Well, I'm wearing. A, I'm going to wear a Becky Lynch one. Big fan of Becky. Lynch. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's what we're. I got a second one picked out. Who else catches your attention on uh, on Raw and SmackDown these days, Wade? Who you who you a fan of? I know you got a lot of your definitely con- not Drew McIntyre. He's no, the, no. the last guy. You know, <laughs> you, you have this thing with Drew where you're upset that he didn't congratulate you after your second or fifth Intercontinental Championship. I think, win. I think it was the fourth. The fourth Intercontinental Championship. Well, that's where the the basis of this hatred starts is that Drew never texted him thank you after he won the Intercontinental title for the fourth time. Our friendship is very one way. I, I do all the I get him nice gift baskets. Like I, I, I'll go no. I, I don't even get a congratulatory tweet from Drew McIntyre when I do something well. So yeah, I'm not wearing his stupid shoes. I like it. Sure. WBShop.com for your holiday needs. <laughs> At least you got a plug out of it, if nothing else. <laughs> That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to sell some sweaters. Hey, but, but back to your question, uh, big fan of Giant Omos. I bumped into him at Orlando Airport about three weeks ago for the first time. Did he sneak up on you? Did he? Did, did you not see him? Did he? It, well, it wasn't quite like you know what I'm. I'm six six, and I walked right. through the airport, and there was a lot of people at the bag claim. I was walking through to get towards the Ubers, and he. I guess he just flown in. He was getting his bag, but I walked through a throng of people and people look at me wow that guy that guy's huge what is he 250 66 and i'm i feel like yeah i'm a i'm a, I'm a giant around here and then right. we come face to face and i bump into him and he's towering over me it's it is i've been around obviously the the business now for 17 years i think it is and i've met a lot of monsters in that time but there is still something about the first time you come across somebody with such massive dimensions that you're just blown away even though we work around these people mm. and because it was the first time i'd ever met him i seen him on tv yeah he looks big but i'm sure uh, i'm sure it ain't that oh no it's insane yeah he, he's he's almost the rare case where you find like a lot of people look bigger on tv I feel like you appreciate him more in in person because you go, oh my God, this guy actually exists. It's freaky. He's an athlete. As we just saw this past week on Raw, he and AJ seem to have uh, hit Splitsville. I'm very excited to see what Omos is capable of on his own in WWE. I mean, I've heard some pretty, pretty heavy hitters, some Hall of Famers. I know JBL is a big fan of Omos and what he's capable of. I, I think this is a dude we could be talking about for a long time. 100%. He's imposing. He's so athletic too, which is the hard, the hardest part of getting a massive guy like him is finding a massive guy who's actually athletic. I've, I'm sure you saw it a million times too. You can find guys with massive dimensions. To get them to actually move around and be nimble, it's, it's very difficult. So that's where he's so, so unique. Not just the size, but it's size combined with such rare athleticism. It seems to be the bigger you get, the less athletic you are likely to be, and, and he's the exception to that rule. Speaking of AJ, AJ was just on NXT this past Tuesday. I'm excited to see AJ Styles get to work with Omos. We had AJ on the program, and he thought the world 
of Omas uh, several months ago here on After the Bell. So it's interesting to see what AJ is going to be able to do with Omas and how Omas is really going to shine after this as well. No, I cannot wait to see what sort of destruction he is capable of. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. I want to talk about a few things uh, because I was in a critically acclaimed commercial with yourself. And by critically acclaimed, I mean only in my household that you and I started a Foster Farms commercial. But I'm actually with movie stars right now. Bollywood movie star and Corey Graves. Which, what? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking Bollywood. The reaction oh, yeah. I was looking for. <laughs> Bollywood movie star. Listen, I'm, I'm not going to say that I am a bona fide Bollywood star. However, the film in which I co-starred had millions of YouTube views in the Indian language. It had like nine views in English, uh, but, but uh, millions in, in the Indian. And uh, man, that's I, big. I, you break it in Bollywood. Uh, you're a made man for life. That's uh that's massive. I've been over actually Mumbai. I went to Mumbai with WWE in I think 2014 on a promotional visit. And we got wrapped it up in some uh, Bollywood premiere out there. It was just coming out. It was, it was called finding Fanny amusingly enough. And uh, it was the, the latest big smash in Bollywood. And they got us in and we were at this premiere. It's massive out there. And there was like 1.2 billion people living mm -hmm. in that country. Even if, nobody else in the world can understand the language so well even though they do they do do some english language ones um that stuff is massive it's crazy like three times the or four times the size of the u.s how was your your foray into the acting slash movie world i mean I've, I've dipped my toes in a handful of times and it's it's a markedly different world than sports entertainment what was your experience like in your time post wwe for sure, I love it. It's um, the performance side. I love doing that stuff. So when I left WWE, I told you I was burned out with the industry, and I didn't want to. I didn't want to go to any other company. I didn't want to work for WWE at that point. I just wanted to be away from the industry in general and, and do anything else. Um, and I ended up. I'd, I'd done a couple of movies with WWE Studios at that point, which I'd really enjoyed. And um, through that, I'd made some contacts in the UK. And the UK has a pretty big film scene in itself. Um, and I managed to, to meet some people over there that um, got me involved in some indie film. Um, but the cool thing about it was it was me as lead. So all the films I've done since I've left, I've been in a lead role. They haven't been the, the rock-style Hollywood blockbusters or anything like that. 
Um, but real professional people putting together good action-based indie films. So I've done a few films there. I did one called I Am Vengeance. I did the sequel to that, I Am Vengeance Retaliation. Um, I did another one called Eliminators. Uh, really enjoy doing it. It's a lot like sports entertainment in that you're beating people up and playing characters and playing roles, but it's a, a bit more kind of in-depth and you get more time to draw this character out and take him on a, an arc of a storyline within the movie. And it's something I, I plan to do a lot more of in the future at some point. Well, on that topic, do I, are you got anything on the horizon? This is more of a selfish question so I can get ready for Tuesdays. I actually do have something <laughs> on the horizon. So I'm going to do a third Vengeance movie at some point, um, but I will tell you that we every time I do one of these movies... And I'm, believe it or not, the good guy in this movie. I know oh, most people Christ. have seen me as the career bad guy. In these movies, I'm usually the good guy, which is a bit weird for me still. We always need somebody in the opening kind of two minutes of the film that I can just maim, you know, snap their neck, poke their eyes out. Just has to show me as the badass. So I think, Vic, if you're ever looking for an additional gig, I think you would be perfect for that. I will personally get you a ticket over to Heathrow Airport I'll get you a, a limo service, bring you straight to the set, and I will just paintbrush the hell out of you. Uh, to be in a, in a film with you, I would take that deal to have you <laughs> beat the holy hell out of me just to be able to put a movie poster in my office. But I, I would like to be on the movie poster somewhere, like a little yeah, face. I can't, I, let's not go too far. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> we want you people to watch the film. You'll, Why can't I have a name? You'll be lucky, you'll be lucky if you get a credit, pal. Oh, I need a credit. I would like to have a credit. That'd be very... Can I get one line, like, ouch or something? Like, no? You can wear that Drew McIntyre shirt. Nah, I wouldn't just... Victim number one. Victim number one. No, I don't want to be victim number one. <laughs> maimed guy. No, I don't want maimed guy either. Yeah, so there you go, main guy. Can't I just be like your nerdy guy that like does the computer to no, tell you where to go? That's what I've been trying not. to pitch in absolutely to help you. Not. I think that'd be a role for me. I'm already in the makeup. I can stay you like you'd be this. like Jarvis to Iron Man. Is that what you're 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 pitching here? Or, what's... or like uh, in Mission Impossible, who's the guy who helps out Tom Cruise? I think uh, it's Simon Pegg is his real name. But like I can't the guy think from, of uh, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I can't think of what his character name is. In Mission I've never Impossible, seen Mission but he, Impossible. He's a, what? Why have you not? Because I've never I seen Mission Impossible. What? I've never seen. James Bond. I've never seen any of the Harry Potter movies. I got more important things to do with my time, Vic. You seen the Rockies? Like the baseball team? No, Rocky. Like Rocky Balboa. Oh, the Rockies. As yeah, in the Rocky. Rockies. The Rockies movie. God, does the Pope in the woods, Vic? Of I course don't know. I've I'm seen. just asking. You're throwing me off with some of the movies you haven't seen. Have you seen Star Wars? All nine yes, of them? I, I haven't seen all nine of them. I've seen probably seven of them, though. Well, come on. I, I, I'm enough, I know enough to be dangerous at Star Wars. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Because I think I know the answer to it. Well, I, I've got a couple different uh, couple different options now. It's a Wonderful Life jumped to the top of the list this year. Okay, I was very I, impressed I, with that's that. A new one. I watched one last week. It's sort of a blend of Christmas and horror, maybe. It's not Krampus, which I am a big fan of Krampus, which I'm is a, big a really fun too. fun movie. This one's called Rare Exports. I believe it's Norwegian. And, and write this down. If anybody is listening to this, it, it is really bizarre. And I can't give too much away without spoiling things. But it's basically about uh, this mining company who finds and digs up the grave of the original Santa Claus. And all sorts of bizarre happenings occur. And it's kind of freaky, but it's not like one of those weird movies where they're like, oh, it's a horror movie that takes place during Christmas. When it all comes together... There's definitely a Christmas spirit to it. I would definitely classify it as a Christmas film. It's worth watching if you can read the subtitles. 
I'm a little thrown off. I, I really thought you were going to give me a Christmas vacation. No, that wasn't. No, no, I, that wasn't my favorite. That's just what's on top of my list right now because I just watched it. That's what I. That's what I've done, Vic. When I haven't been on Raw, I've been at home watching Christmas movies. I've watched Christmas Vacation four times already. This I year. thought that was your favorite. See, I'm a big fan of a Christmas Carol Muppets. That's my favorite Christmas movie, The Muppets Christmas Carol. And why is that, Vic? Oh, it reminds me of my childhood. You know, a movie I hate, Elf. That's it. That's it. Elf Wade, sucks. the gig is yours. From here on out, welcome, welcome, you welcome, welcome. Elf, no, no, you haven't seen it because the movie's overrated. I have seen Elf, actually. As a matter of fact, I have seen it. Don't like Elf. My, my like favorite Elf. would be A Christmas Carol. It would not be, be the, the Muppets. Mupp it would not okay. be the Muppets are great. Absolutely not. Which version of A Christmas Carol? Because there are 14. In all honesty, I've probably the the one I've watched most in recent years. I think it came out in about '04. It's the um, uh, the Jim Carrey one that he's voicing over. It's like the animated, oh, like the animated one. I don't think I've ever seen that one. I really, I, I'm a big fan of Jim Carrey in general. He was always one of my favorite actors when I was younger, and uh, right. yeah, he's he's really good at that. Um, I think I watched. It must have been one made in like the 60s when I was a kid. I don't I can't Yeah, remember. there's a few. My, my dad always loved that one. So many now, but but since they brought out that Jim Carrey one, that's probably the most that I've watched in recent years. I, never, I like it. Story I of redemption. Picture. Even the most miserable people always have a chance yeah. at coming back and doing good. And yeah, uh, I think that's dumb. The story uh, of Vic Joseph. I never took you as a Jim Carrey guy. Big fan of Jim Carrey, yeah. Hmm. Never took you as that. Ooh, I, don't know. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I never took you as a comedy guy. I thought you were always going to like all these brutes. Every uh, unflattering accusation Wade has thrown your way, you've lived up to just during the course of this episode. You're a poor gift I don't gift like giver. how you two have ganged up on me. Real low-class guy, isn't he? I'm going to sit next guy. to him every Bad. week for two hours. Sometimes bet, even longer when we have a baby. What's wrong with that? It's a disaster. Oh, Christ. I, I bet you like eggnog too, don't you, Vic? Hey, I've never had eggnog. Never once tasted eggnog. Never once tasted it. I actually just okay. brought that up to Ken's the other day. I've never once tasted eggnog. I don't think I have, funnily enough. Yeah, you know, I, my, Christ no. my Christmas drink is port. I have two bottles of port waiting for me when I get home tomorrow. And I'm not a big fan of Christmas. I love Christmas. Wow. I absolutely wow. love it. Because what is it happening to you? and drinking the same huh? as Thanksgiving. You're, you rubbed off on me, but look, you know the stories of what my mother got me for Christmas. You and I have had conversations about this. I am like post credits Scrooge. In years past, I have been the miser. I have been the, the grumpy, why do we do this? Why do we waste all this money on these frivolous things? And now I'm like, I want it to be Christmas from January to December with a small break only for Halloween. Yeah, I'm, I'm old school Ebenezer Scrooge, 364 days of the year. I'm modern, updated, nice guy, Ebenezer Scrooge on Christmas Day and Christmas Day only. I'm I do right. so many nice things during the year. I don't even need Christmas to do it because I'm yeah. always nice. Thank yeah, I'm still it. waiting for my first gift. Let me uh, reiterate. Look, you're talking to someone right now who I've decorated a car for. He has. That I have taken my time to help him decorate hotel rooms. Yeah, that's, that's hotel rooms. Factually mm -hmm. accurate. Yeah. That I've walked in the gas station and purchased us socks where he would have, what socks did you get? I got- Holland uh, Oats. Holland, yeah, Holland Goats. Holland and Goats. And I got Buns and Roses. <laughs> so don't sit here and start, see, look, he knows I got, because look at the smile that he's trying to fight back right now gas, for those watching. Gas station socks is your- Oh, your you, you ever have gas station socks? I, I didn't buns know, and Roses? Didn't even know you gas would be station wearing, What am I wearing socks. today? I'm wearing Joker today. You would wear Buns and Roses I wear, socks. No, I wear plain black. Oh, uh, the Holland- Plain oh, black. Those, that was a good gift. 
I had a coffee for him every week for TV when we were there. I was right down in the lobby with his coffee for him. You used to do that for me too. Then I got then about I, six, six weeks into my stint. Uh, here. Oh, yeah. 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 Suddenly the, the ride stopped coming. I had to get to an Uber. He stopped getting me. He turned up one day with his own coffee and didn't, didn't mention anything. <laughs> wow. Oh, no. Where's mine? <laughs> it's so, very oh. true. But then I... <laughs> Piece of <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fair weather friend is Vic Joseph. Such is life. You know, the longer you know him, the more you understand, and then you just just accept him for who he is. True. A wonderful human being. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's what we've gotten to with you two today. It started <laughs> off rocky. It continues to get rocky. And I'm, I just, I'll see you guys next week. All right, good. Good. And I'm going to let you go, Vic, because you obviously have many, many things to get to. You've got uh, NXT 2.0 responsibilities. What are your Christmas wishes before I let you go? What do you what 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 does Vic Joseph want from the universe for Christmas? I want my friend Corey Graves and his missus to have an easy holiday with their planning for their big day coming up. I want an easy travel day, an easy travel time for the gentleman that's sitting to my right. And all I want is the Cleveland Browns to somehow make it to the playoffs. Ha! That's all I'm asking for. Two out of three ain't bad, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Can't give you everything, pal. <laughs> uh, what about you, Wade? What's what's on the list this year, man? You know what? I think... Uh, Look into the camera. The obvious being health for all of us and everyone listening. Um, I think personally, that's not a crap answer. I haven't been able to go back to the UK to see my family in over two years now. Um, obviously, things are, are kind of a little rough with this whole COVID thing once again. I thought we were through that. I would very much like to get a chance to go back and see family again. So I hope uh, the health situation of the planet improves so we can all kind of get back to seeing the ones we love very soon. Nothing can beat that. That's a great wish. Solid wish from the bad guy I the also desk. hope. I also hope somebody buys me a nice bottle of whiskey for Christmas. That's the other one I really want. I think, I think a I, nice I, bottle I, of I, aged scotch. Wait a minute. Mm. I bought you a bottle of scotch you in the house that you have. Whoa. Whoa, I forgot all about that. Whoa. <clears throat> you have a specific bottle of whiskey in my liquor cabinet at my home that is only for you. Okay. First of all, very nice bottle of whiskey. You didn't buy it for me. You bought it for yourself, for your I home don't bar, drink of it. which I had one shot. I don't drink it. And I told you when you walked in, I said this was purchased specifically for you. That's true, but you also poured me a drink at the start of the night. I drink whiskey at the end of the night. You can't oh, start well, on whiskey. Gosh, I don't before know how you it go out for a meal, you. you don't start drinking whiskey before you go for a meal. You come home afterwards, then you have your whiskey. And I wasn't coming back to your house afterwards, so just a glass of wine would have been nice there. And I had wine for you, too. I forgot I bought you a bottle of whiskey. Vic, you already Vic, had just, that. Just get your partner some damn whiskey, all right? It's Christmas. I will get him some whiskey. <laughs> TSA will take it. Yeah, that's, that's the true. problem. I, I've got to go to the airport. That's why it's at the house when you come over, so I already thought of that. <laughs> Listen, guys, thank you for hanging out, Wade. It was great catching up with you. I hope you get everything you want for Christmas. Vic, not so much. Hey, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. You know, that never actually is said in the entirety of the Home Alone movie. I'm just hitting it, though, because I don't Let's care. Keep the change. This, this episode would need to be nine hours long if I really got into this, Vic. This is what you do to me. You derail me. I'm trying to keep the train, the Polar Express, headed to it, the destination it's desired. I think Die Hard, though, is a Christmas movie. I was I smiling when we too. started this episode, Vic. <laughs> yeah, this is were. what you've done to me. Die Hard 1 and Die Hard 2, probably top 10 Christmas movies for most There of are three words that best describe you, and I quote, stink, stank, stunk. Merry Christmas. Goodbye forever. Well, I hope Wade Barrett has a chance to enjoy his Christmas 
Hort to the fullest extent this holiday season. I hope you guys all listening had a great holiday. Have a Merry Christmas. Follow us at After the Bell, WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can follow me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph, WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell. Hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. Next week, we're opening the mailbag. You're not going to want to miss that. We'll be back next week with more wisdom, more vitriol, and more WWE After the Bell.